Well, welcome everyone. Uh, welcome to another one of our sermon uh, review sessions that we're inviting you into on. Uh, something special we're doing during the coronavirus uh, time and hopefully it's something we can continue to some extent uh, afterwards as well on social media and on the podcast. Uh, but let me go ahead and introduce uh, my guests uh, today. You know Kent. Uh, he ha Kent Shepard is a warrant officer in the U.S. Army, chief warrant officer. Is, uh, we were just talking earlier about his long career in the Army, and he loves the Lord. Uh, he and his wife came to the Lord while he was serving in the Army, and uh, is a great, a very gifted teacher, has a passion for ministry, and has been doing great things here at our church. Uh, you've seen him before on other discussions. And now, making his debut to our sermon review uh, uh, episode here is uh, Mike Workman. Uh, many of you know his father was... Uh, one of our elders for many years and is still very involved in ministry uh, in the area. His son, Jacob, was one of our interns and is in seminary right now. Uh, Mike uh, served 23 years in the Hopkinsville uh, Fire Department. He's now uh, uh, wor uh, working with uh, Oak Grove, the city of Oak Grove here in the area. Uh, also served in the Army for how many years? Uh, probably about Six total, yeah. Six years? Okay, great. So he's a, he's a local, born and uh, raised around here, uh, but also has Army experience, so that uh, fits definitely within our demographic here. Well, we've just uh, heard Kyle preach uh, Easter Sunday sermon about the resurrection, a uh, very powerful sermon, and so I'll just start out uh, opening it up. Uh, uh, Kent, what did you think of uh, the exposition, and how was it helpful for you? So it was a fantastic exposition. Usually Kyle is sitting there so I can talk to him. <laughs> but no, it was a fantastic exposition. He just kind of walked through the text and he dropped in those, those six application points about examining the narrative, about repenting and trusting in the gospel. So, so there's that, that call to actually listen to what you've heard and respond through faith. Um, and then to celebrate the resurrection. So, you know, we're, we're, today we're, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he has conquered death. So there's a victory in that in, in terms of him conquering Satan, but there's also hope in that as well. So I think Kyle did a fantastic job just packaging that. I took away a lot from it, and I know it's going to be a blessing for me and Mary to talk about later today. Excellent. Uh, Mike, anything to, to add there? What are some things that you appreciate about the sermon today? Absolutely what Kent said, but I, sp I specifically focused in on the preaching it or pro proclaiming it to mm. oneself. And uh, how important that is just for me personally to, because the truth is that I'm a weak person and I need to reinforce uh, th this truth daily you know, to myself. Exactly. No, I, so much of the Christian faith, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, is about remembrance. I've been reading through the Old Testament a lot, and there's many times that God is warning people not to forget. And they're putting up stone altars and pillars so that they don't forget. And of course, in the New Testament, we're constantly uh, reminded of certain truths again. And I, I forget where I first heard, I don't know if it originates from Martin Lloyd-Jones or somebody else talking about preaching the gospel to yourself. And same thing with the resurrection. When we, when we sin and we need assurance of forgiveness, of sin, that we can get back up and maintain that relationship with Christ, we need to preach the gospel and the resurrection to ourselves. When we're trying to make sense of the world around us, we need to preach the gospel and the resurrection to ourselves. Well, uh, Mike, let me start uh, with a question to you here. We've all heard sermons that are very practical uh, based on the resurrection, whether it's God can resurrect your marriage, your friendships, your health, your career, your other relationships. What do you think about that kind of an approach to uh, the resurrection? Well, I would say, first of all, that at the very least, that's a mishandling uh, of, 
of the message. And at most, it's abuse of the gospel mm. uh, story. I, you know, the, for some reason, in some places, it's become the gospel has become about me. Mm. And the gospel is not about me. And the uh, and it's not it's also not about the the situation that I'm going through at that time, whether it be a, a, a bad marriage or, or bad health or, or whatever it is. It's about grace and forgiveness. This specific uh, narrative, in particular, uh, it's about Jesus uh, living a perfect life, taking my sin in my place on that cross, seeing God's wrath poured out on Jesus Christ. And, um, uh, and, and because I, that, that allows me to have the ability to stand in His presence of a holy God. I, that's an amazing thing to me. The, the thing is, is that those type of sermons do, especially if you're in the middle of, of one of those crises, they are crises, and, and you know, I need to say also, does God care about my marriage? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does He care about my health? Absolutely. But it, the, the point is, is that I need Jesus. I need Jesus more than I need better health mm. or better friends or, or a better job. I need Jesus. I need to be preached to about Jesus. I need someone to tell me about my Redeemer. I need someone to tell me about my King. And, um, and there's just nothing in the world more, nothing in this universe more of, of anything that I need than of Jesus Himself. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Kent, uh, anything to add there? Uh, a lot of folks like to uh, rush that step of taking a theological uh, truth from a passage and trying to make it practical super uh, fast. What do you think about that approach? So, fantastic response. <laughs> I couldn't have packaged it any better, but what you're seeing here is moralistic therapeutic deism just exemplified in that they're taking a very, very deep theological text that's dealing with our reconciliation with God and they're packaging it in a non-offensive manner so that it's, it's no different than listening to Dr. Phil or, or listening to you know, any of these other talk show hosts talk about how to improve your life. And the fact is, is our number one problem is not how to improve our lives. Our number one problem is really reconciliation with God. Mm, so, so you certainly keyed on it. And, and from that, certainly, you know, once you've become born again and you're a new creation in Christ, a lot of those other things will kind of straighten themselves out. I mean, maybe your health doesn't. Maybe maybe God's going to give you a thorn in your side your entire life. But that hope that we have, the resurrection, that that, the, that future re resurrection for us, that we're going to be made new yes. for eternity with Christ, it, it can it can allow you to deal with any sort of afflictions that you're, you're currently encountering today. So. Exactly, and it, it kind of reminds me. People do that to the resurrection. They do that to all kinds of scriptures. What, the one that jumps to my mind is the account of David and Goliath and how, yeah. we, I mean, as much as I love the movie Hoosiers as a Hoosier, uh, that passage is not about winning the sports game or uh, overcoming obstacles in your life. Um, I love how you guys focus in on our greatest need is uh, the need for forgiveness of sin. Now, when we rejoice in that, we preach the gospel to ourselves, 
all of a sudden we can put those other uh, challenges on a practical level in perspective. And it also gives us the grace, of, as Paul says, that if he has not given us Christ freely, Will he not freely give us all things? Will he not address all those other things in his good sovereign will? But we need to understand the most important thing before we can uh, understand these uh, lesser things, as important as they are. A couple more questions. Uh, Kyle, in his first application, really challenged uh, folks in the congregation, uh, uh, members and non-members. And we're, one of the things we're, we're so glad about our ministry is that we get lots of folks who are skeptical and open about that, uh, about Christianity, and yet they feel, still feel welcome here and they feel like they have that space to come ask us questions. And so Kyle really hit in his first application about uh, examining the evidence. Uh, there's a whole field of this in, in Christian thought. It's apologetics. It's just basically making reasonable arguments for the truth of Christianity. What do you think of the role, the benefits, and some of the limitations of apologetics? And who are some people doing apologetics today that you recommend? Okay, so, you know, when you think about apologetics, it falls under a, a whole council of the way that the church uh, comes together. You've got some folks that are gifted for evangelism, some folks are gifted for teaching, for preaching, some are gifted in apologetics. So there certainly is a place for it. And, you know, apology, apologetics, it's making a, a defense of the Christian worldview. So I, I do think there's some benefit to it. Um, there's a lot of arguments that fall under that. You've got the cosmological argument. Um, You've got the teleological argument, the argument from design, the cosmological is the argument from cause, what was the, the, the uncaused cause, and then you've got the ontological argument. So you've got all these different arguments that are, that are jam-packed. Now, I do think it's good because as Christians, we're called to use our minds. God created us to have minds. He created us in, our, in his image so that we can communicate with the outside world intelligently. And you've got, you know, college kids that are getting indoctrinated on campuses. So I think it's good that we have a, an understanding of apologetics that we can reasonably make a defense of the Christian worldview. Is that gonna win somebody to Christ? Maybe, I, I don't know, I can't say, but I think that there's certainly some credibility for it. Um, I was once reading a, an account of somebody that was saved and he was uh, just a brilliant, brilliant mathematician and, there, and he had heard all of the apologetic arguments and the one thing that caused him to examine the cross was looking at the, the faith of a man that just kept sharing the gospel with him. And, and you know, he just through seeing that changed life was what it took for him to examine his own and come to faith. So it wasn't all the arguments that did it, it was the example of that faith lived out in a very, very calm, simple, um, I'm not gonna say uneducated, but not highly educated according to world standards. Mm -hmm. And that's what took him to come to faith. So um, there, there's credibility for it. It's, it's good. I like to go back and study apologetics periodically, but it's not where I spend most of my time. I spend the, the, the majority of my time mastering in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And then when I get a little opportunity, I might kind of kick up the apologetics, dust off the cobwebs, and then get back to the scriptures. So one of my favorite books um, that I read was titled, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It was co-authored between um, Norm Geisler and Frank Turek. So if you're looking for a good read, I would recommend that. Okay, great. Uh, Mike, anything to add, or even just uh, authors or, or speakers who've been, uh, you think are helpful? All right, uh, to be, you know, I was, I was sitting here thinking, I, I don't know if I can think of an author per se, um, Lee Strobel, I think. Oh yeah, Case uh, for Christ, Case for made Christ. into a movie that I saw on Netflix of yeah, all places, right. there you go. Right, um, it, you know, Obviously, we see a place for apologetics because we saw it in, in mm -hmm. the, the scripture today, the readings today, uh, by mentioning the women. Uh, 
the ultimately though it's the gospel mm -hmm. it is the gospel that changes lives and um you know i think someone eventually like kyle said you see the cross mm -hmm. you got basically two options do you believe do you disbelieve and that's where we're at and um you know um uh, i i think uh yeah, I, I, it's, it's probably one of those areas I'm probably maybe least familiar with. Um, uh, and, and I know that there are people that do good work with it. It's probably the one I'm probably the least comfortable with sure. uh, personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't specialize in apologetics. I know just reading Lewis, C.S. Lewis was great. He has a very, makes a very moral argument in uh, uh, mere Christianity. Now, I would not recommend Lewis as a theologian, but as someone who has, is a great author, very logical, um, has some great insights on practical uh, Christian living. I think he's uh, fantastic for that. I know uh, Kyle mentioned before he left, uh, before our little discussion here, he mentioned Tim Keller does a great uh, work at apologetics. And that's the thing, there, I believe that, I think it's important, I think it's valid. I also think there's limitations. I mean, I firmly believe that anyone's conversion is a supernatural act. Absolutely. And honestly, like kind of like what you were referring to, Kent, uh, even the scripture says that one of the biggest proofs of the validity of Christianity is the love that, that uh, Christ's disciples have for one another. Um, so it's one of those things, and even sometimes skeptics, sometimes skeptics have valid uh, or that sincere is what I should say, sincere um, objections, and then answering those can be a, a real help to them to at least consider a little bit more seriously the claims of Christianity and then uh, perhaps repent and believe. Uh, but even as a famous uh, atheist writer of uh, centuries past, Huxley said, uh, he was a, a firm atheist, and he said, you know, we know that why many of us are atheists is because we don't want someone telling us what we can and can't do sexually. And he was very much like, sometimes the intellectual arguments aren't really that people don't want to believe in Christianity, and it's kind of Romans 1. But I think it's a wonderful way to show love to people by addressing their, their intellectual objections. And as Kyle mentioned, we in, uh, invite anyone who has questions about the truth of Christianity or difficult passages to talk to us. We love to talk about uh, the Word of God. Well, one final question. We live in a fallen world. Uh, as we see with the coronavirus, there is sickness, uh, there is death, uh, there is injustice and tragedy in this world. Uh, how, what are some just ways that the resurrection is a practical comfort, whether it's during this time or other times of trouble as we deal with uh, the effects of a fallen world? I'll go ahead and start with you, Kent. Okay, so framing it under the fallen world, you know, when, when, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, God had told them beforehand that the day you eat it, you shall die. And from that moment on, death has come to humanity. And there's been a, a continuous cycle of death. And God has just been progressively seeking after humanity from, you know, from, from that day uh, moving forward. He's been chasing us down and revealing more of his plan for salvation to us. And part of that, you kind of see the, the high priest come and you see the sacrificial system that gets instituted. And in Hebrews, we, we learn that the high priests were imperfect, that they continue to die, that their offerings were never completed. But when Christ comes, when he dies, he offers a one-time sacrifice forever. And, and he doesn't have to continue offering sacrifices, that his death is sufficient for all sin, for all who believe. And then not only did he die, but he resurrected, showing that his sacrifice was accepted by the Father. And then he stayed with us for 40 years. And then from that, he ascended into heaven. I, I think that oftentimes we don't focus on the ascension, but Christ ascended. And he is seated at the right hand of God right now, 
interceding on behalf of the saints. Right. So we can have hope in that. We can have hope in our future resurrection. We can have hope that we have got a, a good Savior and a great high priest that is advocating for us right now before the Father. And we know that we have got eternity secure through his death and resurrection, and we too will be resurrected. Great. Thank you. Uh, uh, Mike, uh, anything to add? Couldn't say it any better. Amen. And, 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 you know, uh, and I would add that he is coming back again, not That's only right. after the ascension, he is coming exactly. back again. And, um, you know, there, there is hope in that cross, not only for today, but the hope is obviously for the eternity. Yes. And, um, you know, we're all going to die. Uh, whether we live to be a hundred, whether we, you know, or whether we're you know, uh, die with an illness or whatever, we're going to die. And death should always point us into. Mm. As a believer, it points me in. This is the this is the penalty of sin, Mike. This mm -hmm. is what sin has done. And once again, it is constantly preaching uh, this uh, message of the cross to myself, knowing yes. that I am secure in that sacrifice that was made on that cross for me. Exactly. Well, we, in the resurrection, we see a foretaste of Christ, of God's final solution for sin and, uh, and, and death. I know for in my own life, uh, it's going on nine years now since my father passed away. And uh, I, think th I think it was probably the first Easter after he had uh, uh, gone to be with the Lord that I remember reading in, in John's gospel uh, from when Christ said after his resurrection, because I live, you also will live. And just what I hope that was uh, encouragement that I would fellowship with my father, enjoy Christian fellowship with him again uh, one day in heaven. And just the hope uh, while as Christians, uh, we understand the tragedy and the sorrow associated with death, especially the death of a loved one. And yet we, we as First uh, Thessalonians encourages us, we sorrow, but yet not as some, those who have no hope. Absolutely. We have a great hope, and the resurrection is what makes that all possible. Well, the, uh, church family, we hope this has been a profitable time uh, for you. We hope we model for you that it's okay to ask questions and to talk about the, the sermon. And if you have any questions for your elders, please send those to us. We lo would love nothing more uh, than to, to hear from you about that and to talk with you about that. Well, we hope you all have a wonderful Easter. Uh, he is risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.